Welcome to Shadow Work. What the fuck? If you've been thinking, uh, what the fuck is Shadow Work and how does it help me? You're in the right place. This is your go to podcast that will answer all your questions as well as give you the tools to dig into your shadow so you can set yourself free from the bullshit holding you back and finally start manifesting that juicy as fuck life I know you've been dreaming of. I'm your host, Caitlin Hosking, the shadow work queen and coach to fierce as fuck women who want to heal their shit so they can drop the self sabotage and take control of their futures. I know shadow work can feel a little bit scary, so if you're new here, don't stress. I'm here to demystify the spook and bring some fun to the heavy. So get ready to learn, cry, laugh, and finally understand why the fuck you do what you do so you can quit playing small and start manifesting those big dreams. So without any further ado, let's jump into this episode. Hello, hello, hello. We are back for our second episode of Shadow Work What the Fuck for 2024. If you didn't listen to the last episode, there were some juicy updates. And the one that I really want to share with you is that we now have an advice column section. (laughs) So what this means is that you can now submit your questions or something you want advice with. So you can ask me a question about things that are happening in my life or my business or my relationship. Or if you're like, I want advice around something that's happening in my relation, like your relationship, that one, something that's happening in your relationship or with your business, or you're like, I want to do this, but I feel stuck in this go ahead and ask those questions because I am making this podcast more about you guys and specific to what you're moving through because my experience is only one experience and we all come from, you know, different backgrounds and diversity and all of those things. And so the more that I can hear what's going on for you guys and, and get it in your words and like your specifics, the more I can help you and just keep bringing things into this podcast that are going to serve you guys at the highest, highest good. So I have popped that link in the show notes. It'll continue to be there. The other thing I really invite and remind you all is that when you have the courage to ask a question, you usually will ask a question that someone else has been wanting to ask and maybe they haven't had the courage or maybe they haven't had the words and you ask it and they're like, oh my God, that's exactly what I was thinking. That's exactly what I needed to know. And you get to help not just yourself, but like a whole bunch of people who listen to this podcast. And so this is about me being in service to you guys and then you guys being in service to you and then all the other listeners. And I just see this as such like a beautiful win-win situation where it helps me it helps me create these podcasts and and give you guys more and it also helps you because you're getting those specific pieces that are for you and of course with all advice i have written a disclaimer in that when you like click on it you'll see the disclaimer and all of that stuff but it's not meant to be taken Um, it's not a replacement for like medical or therapeutic advice from a psychologist, psychiatrist, anything like that. This is my experience and what's really helped me and what I've done with my clients and all of that. And so it will be from what I've navigated in my life and the things that I've heard about, but if it a doesn't feel good for you, um, and you're like, Oh, I don't, that just doesn't, that just doesn't suit me and my what's happening in my life. That is so fine. Put that shit in the bin. (laughs) Like I am not, I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers, but I can just share from what I've experienced in life. And hopefully that is what helps you too. So make sure you, when you jump onto that link, you read all the things first and then just pop in. This is what I'm struggling with, or this is what's coming up, or I want to do this and I don't know how, um, 
yeah, like there's so much. Caitlin, what do you do? Blah, blah, blah. So that's the biggest change. Um, the other thing that I wanted to do today that I thought would be fun is I have so many of you gorgeous humans who reach out when I post that I'm reading a book on Instagram. And so I wanted to give you guys like a quick overview of the books that I've read in the last six months or the series. And some of them you may have heard of, some of them you may not have, but they, yeah, I've read some really good ones that I, I wanted to recommend here, especially for like the Sarah J Mars fan club, which I'm sure plenty of you do listen. If you have no interest in fantasy books, you can probably just like skip this part. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking about lots of things after this about like identity. And I'm going to talk about, you know, me wanting to have a baby and the trauma that I actually had to heal around that to be able to like to realize that I actually did want to have a baby and how I'm really going into embodying my next identity. And we're going to talk about some things around responsibility, um, making changes, what, what that looks like and how you can start to do this in your life as well. So there's going to be plenty in here. Um, so if you're not into fantasy books, don't skip the episode. You can just skip this part or you can listen because maybe you'll get into fantasy books because my journey with reading has been I for like 10 years, maybe 12 years, because I went to uni. Obviously, your uni is university for um, anyone who's not Australian. Um, but like, because I went to uni, I had to read so many fucking textbooks and be listening to lectures and all of that, that I was like, I just didn't have time to really enjoy like fiction reading. And then I didn't read that much as a kid either. Like, yeah, I was just, I don't know, I was being naughty and rebellious instead of reading books. Um, but then after uni and then I got into personal development, it's like, then I just started consuming so much personal development and, you know, understanding like trauma and shadows and mindset and like every fucking book, I was just like, learn, 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 you know, better myself, get better for work, all of those things. And, you know, I needed that phase, but I feel like for, for me over the last year in particular, I've gone, oh, I have so much, I have so much knowledge and it needs some like digestion time. And also I need some like non work development growth things in my life. And at the time, one of my friends and old clients shout out, you know who you are. <laughs> um, she was reading Akatar, So a court of thorns and roses, Sarah J Mars. And I remember seeing the book cover and being like, Oh, it's so pretty. <laughs> That's what I thought. And then I think it was like three months later, I just, I thought, you know what? I'm so sick of like, you know, I, I got into this habit of like buying a book and then I just wouldn't really finish it because it was like always personal development. And I think and I was like, oh, but I don't always want to be on the screen. Like I spend so much time on like Instagram or my laptop or watching TV and I can't always go to the beach and I can't spend all day in the sun every day. And then when it's raining, like, what do I do? And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go buy that book that she was reading and see how I go. Anyway. It's been like six months since then. And now I'm a like little fiend of reading fantasy books. So that's always fun. My mom and my sister are stoked because they have always read fantasy books. And my mom was literally like, finally, <laughs> she's on. So it's been like nice to share books. Yes, I shared the entire Akatar series with my mom. So if you know how like raunchy it gets, it was actually really funny. Cause I, I, I'm just like, whatever me, my mom's always been pretty good about being open about sex and all of those things. Um, but it's, it's another thing to, to both read the same book. That's really raunchy at the end. And so I was like, Hey mom, the, 
It's so funny. If you listen to this, mom, you're funny. You make me laugh. So I was like, hey, mom, like this book, it's basically 50% sex scenes. And yeah. And then she just looks at me and she's like, well, how do you think you were conceived? And I was like, okay. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. And so I just was like, there you go. Um, and so, yeah, she enjoyed the series as well, which is, which is always great. Okay, so the books I read, obviously I read Akatar. That was kind of like, I feel like Akatar, you know, when they say they're like smoking or like smoking marijuana is like a gateway drug. Well, I think that Akatar is a gateway drug. <laughs> like that's how I'm going to describe it. And I read that and then I was like, oh my God, I, I just like, I was just constantly reading. And my partner was like, you're reading like 600 page books in like three or four days. What is happening? Like, I've never seen you read so much. I'm like... I don't know. I, I don't know. Something's clicked to my brain and I just, I need this. <laughs> and then after that, like I liked Akatar because it was quite easy. So if you're thinking of like reading fiction and you also like the romance, it's like, I would say Akatar is like way more romancy um, and not really great on the like fantasy side. And it's like, it's not that it's not fantasy, but it's, it's just really about the relationships. And then there's some fantasy war things happening around that. But I did find that I would get a little bit disappointed because I felt like that would really be like, okay, the war's coming, the war's coming, the war's coming. And then it would be like a chapter and then it was done. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> sort of a letdown. But the romance, the relationships, the sex scenes um, do not let you down. I actually really liked the last book. I quite liked the themes throughout that. And there were actually a lot of shadow work themes in Akatar. Actually, the kind of is amongst all of these fantasy books. But it was just like, there's like this, you know, mirror thing and you have to look into it. I probably shouldn't give it away, actually. Never mind. But there is shadow work themes. And if you listen to this podcast and you're like, you know, reading, you can you can kind of start to put, pick those out. And I think that's really cool. After that, I read Throne of Glass naturally um, because, you know, that's sort of the, that's what everyone does when they're in the SJM world. I actually loved Throne of Glass, even though it's not very romancy. And so I've had friends that are really into the romance part of the fantasy or romanticy, as I've recently learned that it's called. Um, but they were like, I, yeah, they're like, there's not enough romance in it for me. For me, it was sort of like a new version of Lord of the Rings. I've always loved Lord of the Rings. I love fantasy, like watching fantasy as well. And I just found like just some of the scenes throughout that were just so amazing. Um, yeah, I just, I loved it all. I knew obviously it was going to work out because it always does. But I was like, I have no idea how this is going to work out. It's yeah, had a really quite a few twists and turns for me that I didn't see coming. I also read the last, like there's two novels, Throne of, no, Tower of Dawn and Empire of Seas. I think it's something like that. Anyway, the, the two books before the last book, um, you can get them as like a tandem read and I tandem read them and it was like the best thing ever. Um, I have like a link if you want to download the tandem read. So yeah, you can just reach out to me on Instagram and I'll send it to you. Cause I, that was probably my favorite too, reading those as a tandem. I just, I was really into it every time. Cause sometimes when stories like the you moving between different characters. Sometimes I find it really annoying because I like like one character story and I hate the other, but I was like really absorbed into all the characters. So even though it like chopped and changed throughout it, I would forget that the other one I really enjoyed. And then I'd be like, oh yeah, that's right. There's something happening over here. So yeah, that's Stone of Glass. Next one I read after that was Blood and Steel by Helen Shearer. 
I just have to say, like, if you are into, like, Akatar, but you are also, like, want a better storyline, I think Blood and Steel is better. And that is a... I don't know. Maybe that's not, like... <laughs> I was like, SJM fans, don't run at me. <laughs> but the, the, the main character, the main male character is, like, so sexy to me. He's, like, big warrior vibes. And I'm just into that. Um, I really like the main female character as well. And I quite like the storyline. And it was just, like, spice and a lot of tease. And the third book hasn't come out. But when I got to the end of the second book, like, I was, like, reeling. I was like, what? How did you do that to me? Um... Yeah, so I really enjoyed that. I did start SJM People. Um, I did start reading Crescent City, but yeah, I was like, it's too much for me right now because that was when I wasn't, my mental health wasn't as great and I just needed something a little bit more simple. So Blood and Steel is more simple than Crescent City and I will come back to Crescent City. Um, and then I read Trial of Thorns by Stacey Trombley. I didn't love this series. It I found the main character very whiny, which is probably highlighting a lot of my own shadow stuff around the victim. <laughs> um, but yeah, I found her quite whiny and... The storyline was okay, but I didn't love it. I didn't love it. I just read it because I read the first book and then I read the second book and now I'm committed. And so I read all five books. <laughs> so that's what I have to say about that. And now I'm currently reading House of Beating Wings by Olivia Wildenstein, Stein, something like that. And yeah, I'm quite enjoying that. It had a bit of a plot twist that I wasn't prepared for. The main characters are uh, the female. She's... And she's not annoying and whiny. <laughs> I guess that's what I'll say. I find her to be quite like sassy and sort of like, I don't give a fuck sort of attitude, which I always like. And then the male character is, I don't know, he's like dark and controlling and yeah, all of those things, which are not okay in real life, but in my little fantasy world, I have to say guys, like I've really realized why I have my past relationships because I'm like, oh, this man is like, he's like controlling and like owning her. And, and I'm like, this is so against like my feminist brain and I would never want this in my real life. And I've had this and it's really unhealthy and doesn't feel good. But in a book, I'm just like, damn. So if you're got like some crazy relationship shit and like some shadow stuff and you're like, I don't think that that should be acted out in the real world because I don't want to have unhealthy relationships get into books. <laughs> you can just like project it all and it just like feeds that part of your brain. All right. That is, that is 15 minutes on fantasy. Um, so let's get into like some other things around this, but I just wanted to share that because I, I just wanted this podcast to be, you know, a little bit different and to talk about things that I have been reading and give you guys recommendations. Um, Blood and Steel, Helen Shearer, if you haven't read it, like get on it. I have recommended it to some of my friends who have like, they like love reading. They've read a lot and they're like, oh my God, I read that book so fast. I'm pretty sure I read the first one in like a day and a half. Um, also probably why I didn't really get much done at the end of last year. I was, I was just reading. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about babies. If you have no interest in babies, um, there'll still be a lot in this story because it's very interesting to me. And I think that if you think about something in your life where it doesn't feel like you just, you're just like, no, nah, I just don't have an interest in that. Then this might shed some light on, on that. Okay. So for me, I, when I was like younger, I was kind of obsessed with babies. I remember 
my mum, like when we would travel, um, my mum would buy like Game Boy games. And one year I was like, I don't want a Game Boy game. I want a baby born. And every year after that, instead of like games, I would just get clothes and new outfits for baby born. And I was obsessed. And then when I was like a teenager, because um, my dad has two families. And so I have half siblings that are all older than me. So they had their kids when I was like 12. And so I had all these little babies, nieces and nephews. And I would just want to like hug them and carry them around and do all that. So I was like pretty really into kids when I was younger. And then when I was in my 20s, like if you ask anyone who met me in my 20s, I was like, nah, I do not want children. Like, no. And I was, I, yeah, I, I didn't feel like triggered by it necessarily. I guess I just didn't think about it too much, but it was just like, a, I just don't want that. And I didn't know where that came from. I just remember being adamant. No. And then I decided in, I think it was like 2021 that I was going to do psychedelics for the first time. And I had never like, I've done cocaine, ecstasy and um, cannabis, those kind of upper sleepy things. But I've never done psychedelics because I was like terrified. <laughs> I was like, uh, what happens if it like fucks me up? And I wasn't really into like hard, hard drugs. So, you know, never like meth or crack or anything like that. And psychedelics to me just seemed like extreme. And I just wanted like the fun, the fun highs where it's like you wanted to dance, um, you want to talk to people or get high on like pot where you could just like chill out. Didn't want to do anything crazy. And so anyway, I decided to do psychedelics, not... <laughs> <laughs> not for the reasons I used to do drugs, but because I I heard so much about their healing potential and that you could really get into things that maybe you couldn't get into when you were sober or when you were um, just doing normal therapy, talking, coaching stuff. And so I did it at home and decided I would just guide myself. And during this experience, I ended up sitting on the couch and had some like you know, whatever weird trippy music as you do. That was like ethereal. <laughs> I mean, if you're not listening to ethereal music when you're on psychedelics, like what are you doing? Um, but I had sound canceling headphones on. I had like my eyes sort of covered with a blanket and I just dropped in. And what it felt like was like someone was like pulling my energy out and they started at the top of my head and they pulled it out. And there was like a message associated with each kind of section. It was maybe like a chakra thing, kind of. No, it wasn't because it doesn't make sense for what I'm going to say. Oh, I, anyway, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, we got, I, it was like pulling it all out and kind of like straightening it out. So it was all like clunky and, and yucky and stuck together. And then they were like pulling it out and it had like a look of, I don't know, just imagine like an angel and they have like a piece of string that's got that like shiny light on it. And so that's when they're putting back, that's what it looked like. And so they're, getting down, down, down. It's funny because I was, had this blanket and unconsciously I was pulling the blanket down as each area was healed. And then I got to my womb and it was like, just all I heard was like, there's fear. And I was like, there's, no, there's not like, that's silly. And then a memory from my ex-boyfriend when I was like 20 popped in. And he said to me, don't ever be a mother. You would be a terrible mother. And I stored that. I stored that in my body. I stored that as truth. And from that point, basically, like the, the journey showed me on the mushrooms showed me how I had 
shut down that part of me, shut down the nurturing part of me, shut down the caretaking part of me and the mothering part of me because someone said, you know, don't ever become a mother. So it's like, well, if that's something I, I wanted and I'm being told I'm not going to be good at that. So there's no point in doing that. And so it's like my whole life changed from kind of, I guess I put everyone else there's, and there's so much gratitude I have for this. So let's just get, there's a lot happening in this period of my life, but I am grateful for how it changed my life and how I got to where I am. But I put everyone else first and, you know, it was just like obsessed with like getting married and having babies and look, the would have been a good idea for me back then to get married and have babies? Probably not, but <laughs> I had no skills and I just wanted to feel loved. So not best reasons to, you know, get married is just to like, because I didn't feel like I could do anything else. And yeah. And so it's like, from there it's like, well, I've come to that. I'm going to prove myself in other ways. And so I started to prove myself with being a high achiever, I went to, you know, I went back to uni and I started getting really high grades. I got really fit with my body. Like I started going to the gym. I looked after my health, like to extremes. Um, yeah, like I just did a lot of things and I started to prove my worth and get those kind of hits from my career, from my business, from, you know, looking a certain way, all of that. And that's not the only thing that was going underneath that, but it was like just a clear delineation from... <clears throat> that that moment of him saying that and then over the next few years it sort of just you know keeps building on itself and becomes like this whole thing and so yeah it just showed me like it showed me that path and how I had rejected so much of my nurturer and and that because I would not have described myself as like mothering or nurturing at all and yeah, like after that journey, I cried so much whole day. <laughs> I was like sobbing and sobbing and had this big release. But I was also so grateful because throughout that journey, I've learned to be independent. I've learned to make my own money. I've learned to hold myself. I've learned to communicate. Um, like everything that I've learned from that, even though it was like there was some trauma there, it's, it's so fine, right? Like I, I just got into that place and I was like, thank you, God. Thank you, life. Thank you, universe. Because if I hadn't gone through that and, and taken someone's words on and stored it, then I, I wouldn't be here. And just to explain, like, it sounds weird that someone said that. And then like, I took it on so much that it like kind of traumatized me. Um, firstly, there's, you know, there's all types of different trauma and what is traumatic to one person won't be to another. But context for this relationship in particular was that it was very controlling. Um, at this time in my life, I had very little self-worth. I felt like I w just was kind of the scum of the earth and this person fed into that and he would often make me feel really bad about myself. But it started off at the start, like, you know, he was so romantic and so loving and like that love bombing stuff. He was so kind and respectful and all of that. And then over the years, it got worse and worse and worse. And for anyone who's ever been in a relationship like this, you know that the psychological and emotional abuse is is so damaging, same as physical, but like that psychological side of all of it is you just feel like nothing. You feel so unimportant. You feel like everything you do is a mistake and that you can never get anything right and that you know you just don't matter. And so that's how I was feeling at that time. And then that's also when he said, don't become a mother because you'd be terrible. And so because I took everything that he said as truth and I was in such a fragile and vulnerable state, that's that's why I was trauma at that time. If someone said that to me today, I would 
it wouldn't be traumatic to me. I'd be like, that's great. Like, <laughs> I don't think that that's true. Um, I think I'd be an amazing mother and all of that. And so I got to this, this point where after that journey, it's sort of just like, I don't know. It was just like a little seed was planted. A little seed was planted in my womb. Um, I'm waiting for that seed. Come on, Jono. No, sorry. <laughs> and so I was like, I am going, I'm just going to explore this. And I kept exploring it. I kept exploring it over the last like couple of years. And it just became more and more clear that that's something I can see in my future. And that's something that I want. And the fact that I, you know, I turned 30 last year, the middle of last year. And it just, for me, I just started thinking, okay, well, what's the next phase of my life look like? What is it that I want? And me and John, I had a chat in like, I don't know, August. I, oh yeah, that's right. I went to the snow and I spent some time with my gorgeous niece and nephew who are my, like my sister, my full blood sister's kids. And so they're quite young at the moment, like three and six months, or four months or something. And I just, I don't know, my heart just felt so full. And I was like, I want this for myself. Even, you know, there's ups and downs. And I'm not saying like motherhood is sunshine and roses. Obviously it has its difficulties and every child will be different, blah, blah, blah. But I, in my heart of hearts, I just felt really ready for that next step. And so I, I spoke to Jono and he was like, I'm really ready for that step as well. And that was really beautiful. And then we got engaged about a month later after that. And we've been trying ever since. And so it's so funny. Like, it's funny how old things that we used to do come up now. And one of the things that I used to do um, or that I have like a pattern in my life is I just go like really kind of hyper fixated on something. So it's like, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to do it to like the nth degree. And so, <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, we've got to do this. We're going to do this. And I'm like tracking everything and being like, perfectionistic I guess like that would be the thing right um I've got to get it right and so the first I think like two or three months so the first month I I didn't really feel like there was anything that happened um like internally so I wasn't really surprised when the test came back negative I also know you know first month is rare you know all the statistics all the things that people tell you but regardless of those I still I have hope I listened to my body my body said no and then the next month, so I wasn't overly disappointed. The next month, I I think it was that, or the yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the next month that I just felt like something had shifted and something had changed. And this probably actually helps me understand my mental health thing a little bit more because this is kind of at the same time and I probably just didn't put it together. Anyway, so I felt like I just things just felt different. I felt, you know, I felt like more connected to us, like my womb, my spirit all of those sorts of things. And my period ended up being a little bit late. Um, and so I was like, kind of convinced, I was kind of convinced. And I was like, I've done everything right. I tracked, you know, I checked, I peed on the ovulation stick. I've been eating well, I got rid of the plastic. I did everything. I've been as stress-free as possible, even though like I was just, I just wasn't doing anything. Um, and I remember I was actually doing the final call of Shadow Alchemy certification that day. And about 20 minutes before I sat on the, on the toilet and I looked down and there was blood. And it wasn't, it was just my period that came, it wasn't a miscarriage, but cause I hadn't tested like positive or anything like that. But I just remember, I just started crying. I really started crying and I got in the call 
oh, I didn't want to go in this call, but I was like, this is really important to me because, you know, emotions and showing emotional experiences is important to me. And so I got on that call and I actually just sat and cried and my beautiful clients. And I just, so I'm so blessed for every client and student that comes into my world because they have such a deep reverence for this work and humans and, and all of that. And yeah, I just, I was so grateful. Um, and the reason I showed up in that vulnerability is because we were talking about vulnerability, the whole certification and how important in shadow work, especially and being a leader in this space, it is to be human and, and to show that and not just talk about it, but show it. And so it wasn't about dumping on them or anything like that. It was just like, Hey, I'm moving through an experience right now. Let's just sit together. And it was so beautiful because they just sat and they held me and I, I breathed and then I regulated and I spoke about, Hey, this is, this is what's going on. And then we just got on with it. And that was really beautiful. However, um, obviously that really kind of shook me that I had so much certainty and all these things. And then my expectation wasn't met and I was disappointed. I was upset and <sighs> what a fucking ride. But I decided to like sit with it a little bit and I decide, you know what, I can't be so attached to this and I just have to trust the timeline. I can't be tracking everything and trying to get it perfect and all of that because it's going to put my body in more stress. And yeah, it was from there that I made that decision of, of just trusting and not being so attached and, you know, just doing the thing. And it's, it's really helping me embody more trust and, and things that I've really learned from business as well, because in business, it's... It's different, but it's kind of the same is that we set these goals and there's things that we want to achieve in our business and launch and get certain numbers, but you can't control that. All you can control is showing up and talking about things in marketing and sales and whatever, and just trusting that the result will come. And if it's not this month, it's next month. And so I've really been sitting in that of just going, I trust my body. I trust in the universe. I trust all of these things that when this when this baby is meant to come, it will come. But all I can do is show up for the sexy time. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, if I need to get more help and see a fertility doctor and all of that, yes, but we're still in that first like six to 12 months. So, you know, I don't feel like I need it right now. I'm just trusting what's, what's coming through. And yeah, just supporting myself. And so this, has, this brings me into the identity piece of, okay, so the identity has in my past has been, you know, not, not trusting, not like at the end of last year, especially it was sort of, I went back into maybe old tendencies of not really being, not being down on myself, but just finding things really hard. And I described this in the last episode of being like, I was just apathetic and things weren't great and all of that. And I noticed that it's just my mind a lot of the time was just like, I can't be fucked. You know, got to clean something, can't be fucked. Got to walk dogs, can't be fucked. Got to do this, can't be fucked. Got to work, can't be fucked. And I was really apathetic, just didn't really give a shit about anything. Um, then there was like, I guess the perfectionism that came in with the, the baby making part. And then when I was like, okay, I'm not going to, I can't do that. That's not going to work. I also think I went like, I didn't give a fuck for a while. And it's like, whatever. And not a grounded, it's okay detachment. But it was more of a, I'm going to protect myself by closing off. And I feel like I really closed off and that I'm kind of having a breakthrough moment here, guys. And that led to, well, business is fine. 
I wanted this thing. Now I feel like I can't have it when I want it. And so I'm just going to kind of be like, I quit. <laughs> so that's interesting. But it's changed. So what I've noticed over the last few months and since noticing, okay, where's my mindset at? What, what am I identifying with right now? And looking at my identity and the things I'm believing about myself and the things I'm believing that I'm capable of and how I'm coming at life. And so I've really been sitting with my identity of how I show up in the world, especially over the last six months, because I, you know, I started reading lots of fantasy books, but I stopped doing a lot of personal development and I needed a break because my personal development was coming at from a place of like, I'm not good enough. Um, you know, I was trying to fix things, I guess, or just always trying to be better. And I was like, I just want to be. And then it kind of slipped the other way. And, you know, sometimes when we have extremes, we're like really far one way, we kind of rebound the other way. And I feel like I needed the, oh my God, I've got to do everything and fix everything and, you know, find a shadow and do this thing and like hyper fixate on personal development. And then it went to like, I don't give a fuck. And now it's like, no, <laughs> this is personal development. Now for me, feels a lot gra more grounded in, I do care. I do care about my beliefs. I do care about my future. I do care about all these things. And it's not that anything needs to be fixed. It's just that I want to continue to grow. And so, yeah, I've been over the last like few weeks, especially, you know, the start of this year, it's just been going, who am I? Who am I showing up as in my life? And getting into that deeper trust of, of my magic, of how, of how much I've helped in this world and I've been doing this um, wealth embodiment with Victoria Washington. And one of the questions she asked was like, do you see yourself as a wealthy person? And I said, no, like that was the immediate response was no, I don't. Which technically, yes, I am. <laughs> like I am a wealthy person, um, you know, financially, relationships, the things that I own, all of that. I have so much, so much in my life, so much priv privilege that I am so grateful for, but I actually don't see myself as wealthy. And so I've been unpacking that. What would that look like for me? And what Victoria talks about is, you know, what's our relationship with responsibility? Because having wealth and, you know, more wealth, more success, your next identity is going to take a different level of responsibility than what you have now. And, and so it's been me unpacking, okay, what have I been responsible or irresponsible for right now? And starting to look at that. And so what I want you guys to think about, and I did a whole Instagram story on this as well, but what I want you to think about is, well, what's my current identity and what is it that I want? And do those two things match? Because coming into the next season of my life is like, I want to have babies and a mortgage and I don't want to have a mortgage, but you know, buying a house life, <laughs> um, you know, there's just different things that I want that is actually going to take a new level of responsibility. And so the things that I fuck around with, not just, and not just like, so for example, I will go through these phases with finances and I'll be like tracking everything and I'll be really on top of it. And then I'll go into a phase of just like ignoring it again. And I'm like, I can't keep going in this phase of like doing it, not doing it, doing it. And so it's like, I need to be responsible for that. But you can have those things. So it's like what health, if you, you know, wanted to um, improve your health, you will have to be responsible for eating certain foods and going and moving your body in ways that feel good and looking after your mental health as well, because that's a part of it. And so I'm going, okay, look, let's look at where I'm not currently being as responsible as I would. And then 
look at, I was like, I just lost my train of thought. How crazy thought thought. <laughs> um, yeah. And then also look at the things that are different to just the tangible things. That's where I'm going. And so if I look at my, my business and I look at my money and I look at all of that right now, I also have to look at how I treat myself within that and what's not working. And so one of the things that I noticed that I did last year, especially was I'd go through a cycle of, you know, working, working, working really, really hard. And that was, you know, partly because of the holiday thing as well, but I've done it before that year as well. And yeah, I'd work really hard and then hit the wall and be exhausted and have to pick myself back up. But that's not responsible. What would be responsible to me, to me in my world, <laughs> would be I need to look after my mental health throughout all seasons of business. So that includes the summer when I have all the energy and there's so much happening. and I'm so excited. I've got all the ideas and I'm like, yes, 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 yes. It is especially during that time that I go hard. And there can be beautiful things about that. Like I get a lot done and there's so much happening. It's really exciting. But the shadow side of that and not having those boundaries with myself is that I freaking hit the wall. And so me taking responsibility is going, how do I take responsibility for my rest? How do I take more responsibility for my space? How do I take more responsibility for my boundaries? So this is what I want you to start to think about. What is the result? What is the identity you want to hold? And what do you need to take responsibility for so that you can make sure that when you get there, you don't resent it? Because if we work and work and work and get the thing or if we're like starving ourselves because we want to, you know, lose weight or whatever it is, if we like kill ourselves to get there we're gonna we're not gonna like the result we're gonna resent it and then we're just gonna go backwards and not even get to enjoy it and so it's how do we have this balanced response of self-responsibility how i'm showing up in my world with all parts and when i was thinking about responsibility it it reminded me of a lot of the times we associate responsibility with someone else so I take responsibility for the kids, for my partner, for the house, for something external. But what I'm asking you to do is look inside. Where are you not taking responsibility for yourself because you're taking responsibility for everyone else? Where are you not taking responsibility for your mental health and your space and taking time off because you feel like you have to keep constantly working to prove that you were worth the result anyway? So bring it back to having a different view on this. Yeah, it's not just like smash it, let's go, do, 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 get the thing. No, how can we do it with sustainability and joy? And so this is the identity of the wealthy person that I am looking at. What does wealth look like to me? It's health, it's mental health, it's being able to hold more clients in different containers and in different capacities. It's being able to hold more money and circulate more money. It's looking after all areas of my life with the level of responsibility that feels right for me. Yeah. The other thing that I heard in, in, the, um, in the training with Victoria Washington was like the bigger the responsibility is, the less excuses you can make. 
And I just thought that was so freaking... I was like, that is true. And I noticed that in my business, one of the things I have been avoiding is bigger responsibility in it because I'm like, yeah, but what happens if I'm tired and I need to take a day off and I can't do that because I have all of these responsibilities. And that's why I'm bringing this conversation of there will be less excuses. So make sure you set it up for you internally to be successful as well as externally. So these are the questions that I have for you. First questions. You can write it down, whatever you need. What have I been identifying with or who have I been identifying with? What do I love about who I've been identifying with and what's been holding me back? So for me, I love that I'm very certain in the way that I teach, the way that I show up, the way that I coach. Um, yeah, I have like this, this level of I know I can do anything and I love that part. The things that have been holding me back is I know I can do it, but I can't be fucked. <laughs> and yes, I needed to rest, but saying I can't be fucked, like it kind of, it becomes a really big thing. And I notice that when I go, I know I feel like I can't be fucked, but I've actually had enough rest, go and do the thing. I'm usually fine. So I've been looking at, okay, my mindset's been holding me back. Not doing any growth or personal development work has been holding me back because I haven't been fully honest with myself. Uh, I need to keep my eye on the pulse with my finances better than I have been. And, you know, I just trust that it all works out. And it always does, but it leads me to feeling like I can be out of control. And yeah, so that, that doesn't feel good. Um, how I perceive myself, you know, I... I feel like I'm very good with the way I speak and the way I teach and all of that, as I just said. However, I don't always perceive myself as the leader I want to be in the space or I think that, you know, I'm just like a small fish. And that that doesn't that's not going to help me get to where I want to be. I really want to impact a lot of people and have a legacy of the Shadow Alchemy certification and reaching more coaches and teaching them these things and reaching you guys and all of that. So it's like, I need to perceive myself as someone who can hold that responsibility. So I we're looking at that. So what have I been identifying with? What do I love about that? And what's been holding me back? Your next question is, where have I not been taking responsibility? So it's like, maybe you haven't been taking responsibility with your money. Maybe it's your healing work. Yeah. So for example, in relationship, you may say, oh, I want this relationship that's loving and vulnerable and open. And I want my partner to be open with me. But then you're not you're not doing those things. You're not communicating what you need vulnerably and what's actually there on your heart. You're not speaking the truth. You're not being transparent. You are projecting old wounds and triggers and, and things that have affected you in the past onto your partner. And so it's like, I'm doing these things and I say I want this relationship. And so how do I bridge that gap with responsibility? I need to do the healing and unpacking what's actually there that's coming out in my relationship in order to change myself and shift these dynamics. Does it mean that the relationship sometimes doesn't work out? Yes, because they may be unwilling to meet you in that. Um, but it's like, if you want it, you have to take responsibility for you first. And if someone can't take responsibility for themselves, it's not your job to take responsibility for like their healing or how they show up. All you can do is ask. And so it's like, okay, I need to look at that for myself. If you don't know how to communicate, take responsibility for learning how to communicate. Um, yeah. 
Okay, so who do I... And then the next question. So is it, where have I not been taking responsibility? I sort of like twisted that and then started talking about where I need to take responsibility. But it's it's looking at that. So basically ask yourself, how have I been showing up and just being like, oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, it's fine. Oh, it'll fix itself. Then next question. So question number three is who do I want to identify as being? Do, is it someone who is wealthy? It is someone who it's healthy. It's someone who... Whatever it is, you might just have like a name for that person um, and it feels good. And so unpacking that, what does that look like? What does that version of you have? How do they show up in life? All of those things. Next question is, what responsibility would I hold if I was embodying who I want to be? So for me, I'm like baby, house, mortgage, more impact at scale, better boundaries uh, with work, whatever. (laughs) Reading fantasy novels, taking time off in the middle of the day. It's like there's responsibilities on in different levels there of looking at, okay, my legacy, my impact, my business, my money, my home life, my baby, my mortgage, my relationship, and then mental health, physical health, space, going to the gym, all of that. And I do a lot of these already, but it's taking it to that next level and understanding that that's going to have more responsibility and more impact. Then what do I need to take responsibility for now? Okay. So it's like, where have I not been taking responsibility? And then just being really clear, what do I need to take responsibility for now? Finances, mindset, perception, impact that you can have, all of that. Just like write it down, know what it is, and then go, what would that look like specifically? Because when you know specifically that, when you can start to derive the action steps and actually do it. Is it looking at your finances every week and going, okay, this is where we're at. This is what we need. You know, figuring out what that is. Is it looking at your mindset and your beliefs every day or, you know, once a week and being like, okay, how do I feel today? What's happening in my body? What do I need to move forward? Is it, is it your health? Is it, you know, have you been sitting at home on the couch procrastinating, not doing it and you need to get a gym membership or a Pilates membership or get an accountability buddy and start going three or four times a week to make sure that you're looking after yourself. So that's the whole conversation because it's like new identity, new responsibility. Um, if you don't like that word and you're like, I, that just kind of gives me the, uh, that's probably some shit to look at, right? Like, you know, if you grew up and you had to, you're the oldest child or you felt like you always had to take responsibility for your parents or your younger siblings or something in your life and you feel like I'm so fucking over it and I don't want to do it and you have like a tantrum about it, it can be healed because it can come from, it, it's sometimes like we've had to take that over responsibility because like we had to do it to survive. Okay, but where we're at now, you get to sit down and go, okay, what's happening in my life? Where is it that I need to take responsibility? Where is it that, yes, you taking responsibility is also like we're in relationship with, with people and sometimes people do need us because they are our loved ones and our family and we've got to give a bit more than we normally would because they need us more in that moment. But it's also going, well, how can I ask for help with this situation to make sure that I'm not ending up exhausted, tired, burnt out, not able to look after myself and and all of those pieces. So bringing in a little bit more balance and, and taking responsibility for where we're at in our life in order to move forward and go into that next level.
Okay, my loves, that is all for this episode. I also just wanted to offer you guys a free gift from me. It is a self-paced on-demand masterclass, which means you can download it right now and get it into your inbox. In this masterclass, it is called Good Girl Gone Bad. And inside we are talking really about, for, for those of you who associate with being people pleasers, perfectionists, overachievers, always putting everyone else first and yourself last, um, you're feeling like you're afraid of making mistakes, you're afraid of being judged, you are trying to like really fit in with everyone else's expectations of you, but it doesn't feel right for you. You feel like you're betraying yourself on some innate level, you don't really know who you are, um, you feel afraid that if you were to, you know, not achieve something or whatever it is, then then it's going to affect how you perceive yourself, your self-worth, your self-esteem, and you're just afraid that people won't love you unless you are a certain way. And so this is that's the good girl archetype. We actually talk about eight different ways and archetypes that this can show up as and why how it happens. We get into heaps of psychology stuff. It's like visual as well. So you'll be able to like really take it in and I give you a bunch of tools and how to heal that. So if you really identify as any of those things and you want to break out of that mold, you want to be able to go after what you want and know who you are authentically and live a life that will bring you joy. And not that's not just about ticking those boxes. And this really came through because I was coaching a client over the last couple of years. And when she came to me, she talked about the fact that she had done everything she thought society expected of her. She you know, had the house deposit, she went to university, she had gotten um, you know, the job, the whatever, like she kind of ticked all the boxes. And even though she had achieved all of that, she was the least happy she had ever been. Her mental health wasn't, it wasn't great. Um, her self-esteem wasn't great. There was lots of people pleasing, all of those sorts of things. And over the last couple of years together, really working through this archetype of the good girl and the people pleaser and starting to let that go so she can she can really stand in her truth and who she is. And this is not being a bad person. Like the the name of the masterclass is you know, obviously good girl gone bad, but it is about coming to your authentic expression. And some people might not like that. They might think that it is, you know, they're like, how dare you say no to me? And how dare you do this? And how dare you, you know, move overseas? Like people won't like it. So they will perceive it as bad, but there's actually a quote that's in it that I loved. And it was like, when I stopped trying to be the good girl, I became a force for good. And that's how I really perceived this because when I was playing the good girl, I was manipulative and I would lie and I would do so much like shady shit because I I was trying to please everyone else and you can't and so you end up always letting someone down and so when i actually started being really truthful about this is who i am i'm not going to manipulate you into liking me um this is what i need these are my boundaries if you can't respect them i love you but i have to leave this relationship and and it just like changed so much of my life and made the relationships and everything that i have today so there's so much in it. I hope you love it. I hope you enjoy it. If you have any questions, let me know. All the links are in the show notes and I'll talk to you all really soon. Mwah.